נשכח תמיד להיות מאוחדים. עם ישראל חי, בעליות וירידות גם בשעות הכי קשות. שלום, אברי, ובוקר טוב לאישי פליישר שואו, ברודקאסטינג לייב. From Judea to the world, you're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom and welcome to the one and only Malka Fleischer. Hello. Shalom and thank you, Malka, for joining us today. Shalom, shalom. Okay, so uh, we have a good show. We have a great show, actually. We've got cool stuff from Ben Bresky. We've got a cool stuff with... Uh, I actually did um, uh, a reaction video to Pierce Morgan and Naftali Bennett, and Ooh. that was very interesting, so that's going to be fun for you guys. Uh, but first, let's chat a little with Malka about stuff... First thing, let me get something off my chest, Malka. Okay. I, just, I just read a Washington Post article about Hebron, about Hebron, right? And this article is just nothing short of a blood libel. It is just so blood libelous. It's like the whole thing. The whole thing is that the life of Palestinians, quote unquote, right? Because Arya Bramitz reminded me that I really should not use that term. That's true. It is, right. a, it is a fake term created to be an right, enemy so term. To fight us, right. To, it, right. It, it's, it's there to undermine Israel per se. But this article in the Washington Post is like, where is journalistic, where, where is there even journalistic effort to, to show some kind of balance? There's not even an effort. You know what the truth is? I'm happy about that. I'm happy that there's no effort to, to make a balance because if there was a balance, then you could be like, well, this is kind of true maybe. It's not. It's just there to tell you that the city of 200,000 Arabs right. um, is like been shut down, where it's literally not been, not been shut, shut down. And life for them has really not changed much, except for that little part where the Jews live, which is more defended so that they can't do what they did in Gaza to us, what right. they did to us in 1929 in Hebron. Right, and what they do on the micro level, like monthly. This, right, and so this, there's a huge article And it's all about she can't get to school, he can't get to school, he got arrested. That's the whole article, and it's sad. There's Wait, well, who published this again? Washington Post. Okay? Yeah, they're the worst. Yeah. And then at the end, they, they're like, they quote Tiasir Abu Snena. Wow. And they're like, and they, 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 literally, they literally say about Tiasir that he's a murderer. Let me read this to you. So they say, the Israelis, quote, the Israelis are feeling a security crisis, said Hebron Mayor Tiasir Abu Snena. But I would say you won't feel security unless others are living in security. When death and life become equal, it's motivation for people to resist. Abu Snana was convicted of taking part in a 1980 shooting attack in Hebron that killed six Jews, including two Americans and a Canadian, as they returned from Shabbat prayers at the tomb of the patriarchs. He was later released on a prisoner exchange. He justified the attack on civilians by saying it was a time of armed resistance. Now, right. It was just, you know, it was that time. It was what we were all doing. That's okay then. Right. And, and yeah. they give him another quote. The tightening occupation will lead to more uh, violence, he predicted. These actions which touch the Palestinian people and touch Why their blood. Why do they blood, say predicted rather than promised, by right. the way? And hindered their lives. These tools are, 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 uh, uh, these are tools to encourage radicalism. So this is what he says, right? And it's just like this. It's a humongous article. It's, it's I don't know, 3,000, 4,000 words. I don't know. And, and, and the Israelis are really bad guys because people are having a hard time getting to school. But this guy who they're like they're like he 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 was convicted of taking part in a 1980 shooting attack. In other words, he's a full-on murderer. He's a full-on right. jihadi murderer. murderer. Right, he's a convicted full-on he killed six people. Nobody denies that. Not only that he doesn't deny it. Right, and he predicts more violence. I love right. that predict like he's right. some kind of like a 
like a prophet of his town. And it's just like, I'm telling you now that the violence I did before, I will do again. Thanks for letting me out of jail in a prisoner deal. And I'm the mayor. Um, the, the biggest lie, and this is a liberal progressive lie, is that the whole business here is predicated on the Israeli occupation because what these people want is liberty and equality. That in itself is a construct of progressive liberalism or liberal progressivism, I don't mm-hmm. know what. But it's a but it's a full on lie since we all know and this article again does this trick which is here's an article that denies that jihadism is behind this thing. Right. They deny that there is an Islamic dictate to get rid of the Jews because the Jews are an inferior people and should not have what was once Arab land and should not have a religion and a thing that's big and strong because that's an embarrassment to Islam. They deny all that. It's all about what Americans want, which is like liberty and freedom. Right, they project. <laughs> right? As, as though there's any liberty and freedom in Ar- Arab countries that have every opportunity to have whatever they want. There isn't. There's no equalities, liberties, democracy, democracy. none of that stuff. And, and the, not only that, they deny that these people, what they talk about to in, in the mosques on Fridays, what you hear all the time, which is like, kill the Jews because this is our land, because we got to get rid of the Jews. Because the, and, and you, have, you have a Hamas, John Stewart played this. I did a whole video about John Stewart, which you can get in my email uh, if you sign up to my email at yishaifleischer.com. But uh, and that it, you you have a Hamas spokesman. He's like, he's like the Jews got to we got to get rid of the Jews from this land. So they ask him. They're like, does that mean destruction of Israel? He's like, yeah. So it's like, what are we talking about right. here? But this huge Washpo article. Now I need to cl- cl- just clean it for a second, clean the air because this is this is this is heinous lies and blood libel. But on the other it's hand, it's interesting that you raise this because it's like this is the reporting on Israel regularly so it's interesting to me that you bring up this article well it's hebron like how it is all the time this is my job this is hebron they didn't call me for for a quote you mean for journalistic fairness right by the way i looked up in my in my contacts to see if i have anybody from washington poe just just to bug them and i looked it up and it just said it's it said the name of a of a jewish shira rubin yeah she's a quote unquote reporter at Mm -hmm. washington post but then it says the word banned Wow. I wrote the word banned. Right, on a little commentary for right, yourself. Right, like do not, like, a, a warning right. for future you. Right, that's like, yeah, I do that a lot. I, I write notes in my contacts, you know, wow. especially about the media. I'm just like, mm-hmm. don't deal with this guy. Don't, you know, just like, just like these people are, these people are sick. They're really sick. They're, and they're haters. And they're haters disgu- disguised as, as liberals. Anyway. Well, speaking of haters disguised uh, as liberals. Well, or, was, or you had, go ahead, please. I just had the other side of this thing. Go. I just got uh, my my good friend Jack Struer, uh mm-hmm. came uh, from uh, New York, New York with the Syrian community, and they made such a beautiful video of their time in Hebron. Oh. It was such a gorgeous video. I sent it to the family group. You didn't see it yet. Sorry, okay? sorry. No worries. The point is, is that like such a beautiful video of Jews coming from New York, reconnecting with the land, uh, and and a three minute uh, be- beautiful video in Hebron. Just matok. That's very nice. Just matok. Just matok. Well, Hebron is really, you know, Isha, you're always talking about how Hebron is really like the the solid number two city of Israel. Of course, the, the most important city in Israel is Yerushalayim. But the second most important city, some people would say, is Tel Aviv. But historically and culturally, the second most important city in in Israel is Hebron because that is where 
the family stems from. That's where that's how we even got here in the first place. First purchase of the Jewish people in the land of Israel, first capital of King David, longest serving, uh, longest living uh, without break Jewish community in, in, in the world. Right. You know, and it's so unfortunate, you know, for so many years, there's been a campaign that like wants to make Hebron out to be this like horribly, horribly dangerous place that you can never, ever go to. And that is just it's so profoundly incorrect. And it's a real pity. And some people, because, you know, everyone's like desire to stay alive is stronger than any other desire. So they're like they're like, well, you know, I'd like to go to Hebron, but like on the off chance that I'm going to get shot, like just let's not. You know, let's avoid it. But it's it's really such a pity because there's a whole community that lives there every day and there's buses and buses and buses of people that come in all the time. Right. And thank Hashem, you know, it's it's good. And certainly, you know, it's not like Hebron and Yerushalayim are like have the monopoly on terrorism in Israel. You can go anywhere in Israel and, and be uh, hurt, God forbid. But that's one of the narratives that... Right. And, and, and I'm writing about this, which is one of the main... Nar- one of the strong narratives... Um, uh, of the of the pro pali world th- th- they have many narratives that they s- that they seek to put out there one of them is look at us we're being abused but then exactly at the same turn flip side of that coin is we're scary we're dangerous don't mess with us in other words they want us not to come to hebron they want us to be afraid of hebron right and in that article you saw it it's like it's like we're oppressed and that's why we're violent right so watch it. Right. Watch out for us. It's like, which one is it? It's yeah. It's not like we're, we're really pressing. But I guess like I'm not comparing us, right. but I think that Israel has like there is some parallels in the narrative, meaning to say like we get hit by Hamas, but we're also like, do not mess with us. We will, you know, missile your face. Right. I, I that's right? that's a great point. And I, I like that. I like what you're saying. So it's not like I can't say that like we, we don't have there are not two sides of a coin. There are two sides of a coin. This is very this is a very interesting thing. You're you're making me think of an interesting article here. Okay. Uh which is like which is their side says we're victims, but be afraid of us. Right. And we say we're victims, but, but be, be afraid, afraid of, of us. us. That's it's a very interesting article. Right. I'm not I am not equalizing no, the no. the Philistine argument to the Jewish argument. But I am saying that like it's not so crazy that equating, that, equating right, yeah. thank you. Equating. I, I, I think I yeah. think I think there isn't a place to equate in the sense that we have a land conflict and there's a question. Like I'll, I'll give you another similar example. There's a similar example. Um what do we want to teach young Arabs? Who's we? We people like you and I. Okay. Okay. If we had, if we were controlling the education system amongst all peoples, I would like to teach them more tolerance, less less of a strong leaning on on jihadist Islam, less jihadism, right, and more tolerance and respect and love for the Jews, and and for and for like the which is an interpretation which is possible, right inside of islam right so it's but, a possible interpretation but i want to i want to i want to bat down their nationalism but how would you do that that seems like the thing that is absolutely it's like the opposite of what's happening right now it is the opposite of what's happening but if i could i would i if, if i could send messaging to the muslim world i would say look we're children of abraham right some of the muslim world has kind of jumped on that right so, but, I, but i'm saying i would send out a much broader messaging saying we're all the children of Abraham. The Jews are the children of Abraham. This is their ancestral land. And we have to respect them and bless them. They're our, they're our cousins. They're our brothers. 
and when we curse them, we get cursed, and when when we we bless them, that we we get blessed, and 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 there has been moments in in Muslim history where they understood these kind of things in different places and different different small small you know moments, but but significant ones. Um, and I would I would bat down jihadism and and classic interpretation, make it a more let's say a more uh, universalist you know it's the jihad is about you know fixing yourself inside and being a good person being tolerant stuff that they have at the uae that kind of messaging um and and um so bat down bat down islam respect for the jews and and an abrahamic type of you know consciousness for a better region mm-hmm. uh and that that's what allah loves right okay uh, but the Europeans that that are involved are involved in in Pali Arab education. What do they teach? They teach Arab nationalism. They teach that the Jews are bad, that Israel is bad, and that we should you should fight them and you should have more jihadism in your heart. Uh, and they basically puff up that that instinct insight of insight and, and and puff up i like the word puff up now mm-hmm. uh you know that that jihadist impulse and and they and they undermine as 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 president uh, the biden administration has done undermine the abrahamic accords type of outlook of like living together in a, in, a, in a region of uh and and they, and they give them they give them lust for the land instead of saying like look this is the jewish people's land you're never going to have it if you want to live here in peace that's okay. So they so they puff up all these other things, and and what do they do for the Jews, the Europeans? What is the messaging that they have, which is, you are less connected to the land, should be you Jews should be less connected to the land, and less religious. So to them, they say to them, be more connected to to this land and be more religious. And to us, they say, be less connected to the right. land. It doesn't wow. matter. And be be less religious. Don't be so you right. know. Don't, the don't, fundamentalist. Don't be so fundamentalist yeah. in your old temple. Mouth Jewish. Uh, what's the, what do they call it? Um, Jewish fundamentalism. Yeah, all this all this kind of business. They're always pushing against that. And anybody who represents that, look look here again, on their side, anybody who represents jihadism and land conquest uh, is lauded and. Puffed up and pushed up like like Tisir Abusnena, this mayor of Hebron. And for us, anybody who represents Temple Mount, Judea and Samaria consciousness, anything like that, they suppress. So 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 that's 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 related to the thing that we were talking about beforehand, which is like which of the which narrative do you choose? Which narrative do you choose? Which narrative tree I call it? Which narrative tree do you choose? Do you choose to believe that Israel is a victim? Of, of a broad Arab and Euro progressive access, but needs to kick butt, and when it does, that's awesome? Or do you choose to believe, no, that Israel is a big, white, colonial supremacist thing that is, that is messing up the whole region? Do you believe that, that young Arabs should be taught jihadism and, and, the, and, the, and the land rights, Right? Or do you believe that they should be like told, listen, this is not your land. You've got other lands. And that jihadism is not good for this region. Like which 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 value system do you want to promote? So the, the that's what I mean by the narrative war. Yeah, just just so people can have a little bit of perspective also on what you're saying, it like it's the issue of this teaching is has a lot of ramifications. Oh yeah. For example, like for many, many weeks, we've now been in this war for how long? How long has it been since October? A long time. Okay, we've been in this war for for whatever you know, five months. months. Yeah, and for a lot of those months, 
for me on Twitter anyway, where um, uh, I just had a big viral tweet, by the way. You guys should check it out. But um, on Twitter, I was really advocating for people to take in Gazan refugees. Right. Because if there's people who don't want to be the whole conversation up until now has been, listen, there's terrorists and then there's the rest of Palestinian society. And what we got to do is make sure that everyone understands that the terrorists do not represent Palestinian society and to separate these two groups. Right. Okay, so you're like, okay, you have these people in Gaza. They want out. Right. Like there are people who don't want to be a part of this war because they're the civilians you've been talking about this whole time. So let them out. Take them. There's a whole giant world, not to mention that there's an Arab world. I don't know, inside the Jewish people, maybe because we're small, but inside the Jewish people, it's like we consider responsibility for each other to be like a fundamental thing. I mean, even today, uh, Isha, you were you uh, you were talking to somebody who brought in a whole plane load of supplies from, I think, Canada or from the United States, it's still coming in. Supplies from outside oh, yeah. of Israel being donated by Jews, right? right, And friends of Jews, yeah. okay? But primarily by Jews who, who are like, I am cannot rest until my people in Israel are like fortified or whatever, you know? So for us, that's like a fundamental thing. If, the, if, the, if, if Israel was Gaza, we'd all live in new houses right now somewhere, right? Because people would not have allowed us to stay like this. They would have taken us in somewhere, right? But that's not the case in Gaza. So I was advocating for a long time, please, you know, let the people, like somebody let them out. Like Egypt let them out. Like Egypt take them. Saudis take them. America take them. Canada take them. Ireland take them. Somebody take them. Scotland take them. Okay. Right? They want to get out. So people would always be responding to me on Twitter. This was like without fail. People would respond to me. Um, but if we accept them, you'll never let them come back in. Right. So like, let's just put that issue. Let's even say that that were true. Let's even say that that were true for a second. Okay. Which is not necessarily, but let's say it was true. Therefore, what you must, these people who want to get out must be held there against their own will so that we let them back so that they can hold on to this land. Meaning to say it is proof to me that the values of some people are that these people must stay and fight Israel at all costs, including the cost of their own lives, including forcing them to fight whether they want to or not. They must fight the Jews because that is the more important, the most important value. Mm -hmm. Meaning to say, given the option to take people out of a war zone who want to leave it or to force people to stay in a war zone and either get killed in a war so that it can be shown that they were killed by Israel or to take up arms to fight against Israel. The set we're going with the option number two, which is to keep those people where they are because the more important thing is not their lives, right. not their lives. There's nothing more important. than So fighting. the education, what you're talking about, Yishai, this education thing, it is a life or death geopolitical thing for these people that you're talking about there's nothing more important than fighting the jews you have to fight the jews but they don't fight the jews meaning to say it's not the most important thing that they fight the jews well it's the most important thing that these people over here fight the jews yeah 
<clears throat> that's a value system Speaking out there. of which, I want to mention that we have a, an, an interesting development in news also in Judea and Samaria, yeah. which is that the Palestinian Authority government, like, all resigned. The Pali Authority government signed, uh, resigned. Uh, some people say, I think according to their own statements, mm-hmm. that they want to reform a government with Hamas. So I read an article about it today. I just want to say, I read an article about it today. <sighs> There's a lot to talk about about this, but first of all... Th- uh, Anthony Blinken has been in and out of this place like it's his like summer home. Like he's here all the time now. You know what? You know when he first came on the job, I was like, I smelled him out one minute later, and I'm like, get your Blinken hands off of our land. Right. I knew it then. So and, that's the and U.S. Uh, Secretary. Uh, what is that? Secretary of State. And he, and he has been here a lot. Suddenly, after the, a lot of American involvement, after a lot, a lot of phone calls. All of a sudden, a government that has been stuck for as long, basically, as all of our children have been alive, uh, is now like all everything's shifting around. So, so the foreign minister, I think his name is Shataya or Shatia or something we're like talking that. We're talking about we're talking about the PA Palestinian Authority, which is a Fatah-led uh, institution and is like seriously, seriously propped up. By the United States and by Israel. Let's just oh, be honest. It boo. hurts to say, Sad. but it's true. And we're yeah. constantly pushing to, there's always, as you guys know, this, there's the pay for slay program <laughs> and it's been, a, you know, two decades of, of, uh, do we hold, withhold their taxes, give them their taxes, withhold their taxes, give them their taxes so that they don't fall apart. I, I was talking to a French journalist yeah, and they're like, what would you like to be seen? I'm like, I'd like to dismantle UNRWA. I'd like to dismantle the PA and I'd like to dismantle the Kogat, the Israeli, the, you know, the Israeli right, civil, civil administration. Right. And I'm just like, and then I like heard myself say it. And I'm like, yeah, yep. Those three mm-hmm. dismantle UNRWA, dismantle Kogat, dismantle uh, the PA. Th- those three things. If you could do that, then we'd be in business. And anyway, go ahead. So anyway, the, the so, PA. So so he gives an the PA, interview. The PA government, the PA government, which was created by the Oslo Accords, which rules parts of the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about right now. Right, and it's the like suit. It's the suit version of Hamas. Right, no, yeah, but my mom pointed this out to me. It, it's the suit. Well, right now, I, I just say to people, it's the flip side of the same coin. There's the like jihadi face. Right. It's there's the, the like, suit face. It's the office. Right. <laughs> but but you know but you know the most important thing is who's paying. The Hamas October seventh murderers, the PLO PA, right, right. they take care of all of those people. That's who's paying. What about to be a sneeze? Bless you. <laughs> so anyway, so he gives an interview, and he says in the interview that listen, it it won't. We're we're not really talking about right now having Hamas in the government because we want like international, you know, support. Um, but we leave the door open to the future, aka. We are not anti-Hamas. We totally could work with them. But because it like doesn't look so good right now, because they're a bunch of like, we can't, I'm not even going to say on the radio what they are, but they hurt little children and kill them. Okay. Um, they're bad. So we can't like be in their government right now. You know what I mean? And it's like, everyone's looking to the Palestinian Authority to, to take over Gaza. Not I, When I say everybody, I mean... The international community. That noise, by the way, was a rocket. Fire that was on a Tseva uh, Dome. That was a For, formerly known as Tseva right. Dome. Um, and I guess it's. I didn't look, but I'm. I'm guessing it's for the north. Um, 
Yeah. So the the point is that that the there is still very much a coordination between all the like suit and tie people that the that the Biden administration is trying so desperately to empower right now okay. and to force into positions. So so, uh, so, so in you, Gaza. you agree with this with this formula, which is it's the flip side of the same coin. You yeah. got you got suit face that's facing west. Right. And you got headband face. <laughs> headband face facing east or anybody who's like that because there's plenty of people on the west today who are into headband fists, as you say, you know. There's plenty of jihad, pro-jihadism on, in Berkeley campus and stuff like that. So, okay. Tough. Malka Fleischer, uh, we, need to, uh, we need to put good energy into this world. There's a lot of dark energy. This mm-hmm. show is not dedicated to dark energy. No. This is a non-dark energy. Well, we, we, we sometimes air it out. deal with it we have without to with being it. it. That's right. But, you know, there are people all over the world that listen to this show that uh, need the good energy. And I just want to, first thing right now, just send out that good energy to all of our friends and listeners throughout the world, wherever you are, uh, Jews and non-Jews, many of our, uh, what I call the international Torah community uh, that are out there. I want to send you guys blessings right now. And I want to remind you, uh, I don't, did I talk about it on this show? I'm not sure I did. Uh, I wanted to say that, um, um, you, you know, when I was at Arut Sheva, uh, Israel National Radio, uh, I, I wanted to create more shows to share with people what Judaism would look like for the nations. And um, back there, we, we had all kinds of folks known as Noahides who keep the seventh Noah, the commandments of Noah. And, and there's an alternative to other religions to have a Judaic-centered religion in their life. Um, and I always knew, and I've always known, that Noahidism is a bad a, a, a bad marketing term just does not work right why because no sounds like cowhide yeah it has the word hide in it and hide either way either meaning of hide is not exactly what you want to use for a religion uh you know n- leather hide or hide away or god is hiding i don't know second thing noah god bless him uh he is not the most sympathetic character and he doesn't end kind of sympathetically either and so nobody really wants to be like, look at me, I'm a Noah Hyde. I don't want the word Hyde and I don't want the word Noah really in my life. It doesn't make Noah's sense. Okay. He's okay, but you don't want to be that. That's not what people feel connected to. Right. And that's not where the story gets good. That's, that's The story gets good around Abraham. Everybody wants to be the son of Abraham, part of the house of Abraham, Abrahamic, the Abrahamic path, the Abrahamic way. And I've been thinking a lot about, about the marketing, about how to tell people that they're part of the Abrahamic way. So, so one of them is actually that term, Abrahamic way, the Abrahamic faith, the Abrahamic tradition. You know, I'm, Abra- I'm Abrahamic. I belong to the Abrahamic faith. I, I, I Abrahamic, go, I like that. That's yeah, just simple. Abrahamic's so simple. I'm yeah. an Abrahamic. Yeah, it's that, just that simple. And I always knew that that's the truth in my heart. But a lot of times I know something is the truth in my heart until I find it written somewhere you know, by a better source than moi, although I think I'm fabulous. But, you know, <laughs> but the point is, is that there might be, you know, they're, 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 they're usually a great men, great women, great people, great rabbis who, who have written it before me. And I was looking through a book uh, about chief, former chief rabbi of Israel and a great, uh, and a great Kabbalist, a great uh, mystic, uh, Rabbi Mordechai Liahu, and he writes there that Abraham founded a religion. It was called the House of Abraham, Beit Avraham. Beit Avraham. And that's what people follow. Although he didn't, never was in a house, technically. Maybe it should be Ohel Avraham. The Beit Avraham yeah. is, the, is, the yes. ha, is the house of Abraham. Camp, yeah, it's like the You're camp. Right, right exactly. Yeah. 
And I just wanted to send out a signal to everybody out there, which is like, wherever you are, wherever, and wherever on the path of life you are, you know, we could all take a step towards being more Abrahamic, more part of the house of Abraham. And I just want you to know that this show is, is uh, and, and we send out that signal that there is such a thing as the house of Abraham and that you're part of it uh, at whatever level also. You know what I mean? Wherever level you're at, you know, there's a way for you to feel like I am part of the house of Abraham. I don't want everybody to say that right now. I'm part of the house of Abraham. Uh, I'm Abrahamic. I could say that. I'm Abrahamic. I could say that right now. I'm Abrahamic, and I want to. I want to walk the path of Abraham. I I want you to know, Malka, that I feel in my heart that this that we have to change languages all the time. One of them is to call this region the Abrahamic region. Mm-hmm. I don't like to call it the Middle East anymore. Call it the Abrahamic region. Right. Yeah? It's also kind of Mediterranean. Right. So it's not the Middle East well, sounds so yeah dusty and right. right unfertile. Well, Mediterranean goes all the way to to all of Europe and North Africa, but here, you know. Here and and right. and east, it's the Abrahamic region. What's called MENA, you know, Middle East, North Africa. Right. Uh, but we're really the Abrahamic region here, and I just I want to I want to I want to get those I want to get that feel. And and there's no doubt to me that God channeled through the Trump administration in that period this idea of the Abrahamic courts. I saw it as a light. I was like, that's a light. I was like, whoa, a light opened up. I was like, <gasps> I saw a light. Really. <laughs> I was like, I see the light, you know, but but I have no doubt that the folks right now in charge are doing everything to erase that light. The October 7th was in many ways a strike, a purposeful strike and a deadly one against the Abraham Accords in that whole direction. Brilliant. Really, really brilliant. I, I, I give it to the Amalekites and, and, and co uh, for, for what they've done. Uh, so we gotta we gotta cleanse our energy, Malka, right now, and not let these guys take us down. They're not gonna take us down. Um, let's instead, sweetie, uh, listen to a little bit of our intrepid, the one and only Ben Bresky, uh, who people really enjoy. And today's is about the history of the tomb of Rachel, mm. not far away from where we're sitting right now, close by this holy, holy place, the tomb of Rachel. And my brother Josh says to me today, he goes, Yishai, one thing that you say in a Torah thought that you've said before that I really like is that, is that, the, that King David grew up in Bethlehem with the tomb of Rachel. Mm. And if you think about it, it doesn't belong there. This Bethlehem is one of the main cities of Judah. And Rachel, Rachel is, is, is of, Benjamin. of Benjamin and, 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 and Ephraim and Menashe and Yosef and that whole thing. She should be out in the north. But no, Rachel puts herself out in the children of Judah to be like, no, we are one people. I'm your mother as well. We're one peoplehood. And David grew up with that consciousness that, yes, the children of Rachel are also, you know, part of the Jewish people. We're 12 tribes, but one peoplehood. So here's Ben Bresky, our intrepid reporter, about the most amazing place, uh, most amazing place for prayer in the world, which is the tomb of Rachel. This is a moment in Jewish history. Recently, I went to the tomb of Rachel, just outside Bethlehem. This ancient site is the burial place of the biblical matriarch Rachel. Once, I made the mistake of thinking I could walk there. 
Walking down Bethlehem Road in Jerusalem, you shift over to Derech Hebron, Hebron Road, which is parallel and bigger and goes all the way to Bethlehem and then on to Hebron. But when I reached the checkpoint, the guards told me one cannot continue on foot but can only go by bus or car. This time I came by car. It was evening, and many people were there for the memorial of Moses on the date that he passed away. Many come to pray at the tomb of Rachel on such auspicious dates, holidays, and special occasions. In addition to coffee and tea, a table was set up outside with a large pot of cholent and distributed freely to whomever came. You may have seen the old photos and paintings of the domed building with the stone pillars at the entrance. As I stood in the inner entrance touching one of these stone pillars, I realized this was the original one depicted in countless paintings. Our ancestors very well could have sipped coffee and tea and recited the same Hebrew prayers at this same location. But they probably did not have indoor plumbing or electricity, as the modern facility now does. The tomb of Rachel, called in Hebrew Kever Rachel, has been a pilgrimage site for a long time. We have writings dating back to the Middle Ages of Jewish people visiting there for prayers and supplications. It used to be a tradition to inscribe one's name on the wall, and writers have described seeing thousands of Hebrew names from the visitors over the years. Many traditions developed regarding fertility and childbirth in the merit of Rachel Imenu, Rachel our mother. One tradition was that of taking the key to the gate of Rachel's tomb and placing it under the pillow of a woman having difficult labor. One of these women who identified with the matriarch Rachel was Lady Judith Montefiore, a philanthropist from England. She accompanied her husband, the successful businessman Sir Moses Montefiore, on his travels to various Jewish communities. He credited her with his successes and achievements, and she joined him in all his charitable work. Lady Montefiore suffered from ill health, and she and her husband were never able to have children. Despite her frequent bouts of sickness, she insisted on carrying out a heavy schedule of charitable work and travel. This included multiple trips to the land of Israel, the first of which was in 1827. The following is her description of visiting Rachel's tomb. At six o'clock, we took a parting view of Zion, Mount Moriah, and the numberless objects which our religion has consecrated as monuments of glory past, indeed, as to its visible splendor, but ever bright and present to the hearts of the children of Israel. The road was rocky, but fig, olive, and mulberry trees adorned many of the hills, and the declivities were covered with a gay harvest of the most beautiful wildflowers. After an hour's ride, we came to Rachel's tomb, which stands in a valley on the right, near to which is a well, at present without water. We dismounted to view this most interesting monument of sacred history. It is formed of four square walls, with Gothic arches bricked up, and is covered by a domed roof. On entering, I was deeply impressed with a feeling of awe and respect, standing as I thus did in the sepulchre of a mother in Israel. The walls of the interior are covered with the names and phrases chiefly in Hebrew and other Eastern characters, but some few English are to be found among them, and to these I added the names of Montefiore and myself. 
The country here is extremely rich in vineyards, and the hills are clothed with olive trees, pomegranates, figs, tamarinds, and apricots. How greatly should I enjoy having a house in this extensive plain, where our tents are now pitched, and where I could linger as long as I chose, contemplating the sublime mountain scenery, wandering amid the monuments of the founders and teachers of our nation. The great earthquake in 1837 greatly damaged Rachel's tomb. It took the lives of many, particularly in Sfat. I discussed this natural disaster in a previous audio segment. The Montefiores were greatly concerned over the loss of life and property from the earthquake. Two years after, they returned to the land of Israel, and Sir Moses Montefiore wrote the following in his journals. With feelings of deep regret, we left the Mount of Olives for Hebron, and after three hours' journey, reached Rachel's tomb. Seeing that it was greatly out of repair and going fast to ruin, Lady Montefiore gave directions for an estimate for its restoration to be made. In 1841, the Montefiores renovated the tomb of Rachel. They reinforced the dome and created a covered courtyard with stone pillars at the entrance. This is the now classic image of Rachel's tomb, as depicted on so many works of art, and where I stood just a week or two ago. When Lady Judith Montefiore passed away, her husband created a stone mausoleum replica of Rachel's tomb at Ramsgate, Kent in England. Lady Judith is also credited with writing the first kosher cookbook in English. Published in 1846, it was called The Jewish Manual, Practical Information in Jewish and Modern Cookery with a Collection of Valuable Recipes and Hints Related to the Toilet. The editor of the book was listed only as a lady, but it is generally assumed to be Lady Montefiore. One recipe is for what is called Palestine soup and features Jerusalem artichokes. Another section advises avoiding using too much ketchup or soy sauce. The final chapter is devoted to hygiene, skin care, and other tips, although it states a woman's intelligence is her true source of beauty. The Zohar states that when the final redemption comes, Rachel shall weep no more, and the Mashiach will pass by Rachel's tomb past Bethlehem Road to bring her comfort. Speaking of Bethlehem Road, almost every side street is named for one of the twelve tribes— Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and so on, and almost in order. As it states in the Bible, Rachel passed away on the road to Bethlehem and was buried there and not in Hebron at the cave of the patriarchs and matriarchs, as was her sister Leah and her husband Jacob. But she took one for the team and gave up her spot at the entrance to the Garden of Eden to stand and watch at the outskirts of Bethlehem, watching and waiting for her children to return to their borders. In recent years, several new streets off Bethlehem Road have been created for the new apartment complexes built there. One is Dina Street, named for the daughter of Jacob. And finally, one of the twelve tribes that was missing for so many years has become Benjamin Street. So, after decades, someone in the Jerusalem Municipality Zoning Department decided that all the children of Israel shall return to their borders and get a street named after them. This has been a moment in Jewish history. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Thank you to all the listeners. And Shalom. 
And we're back here on the Ishai Fleischer Show. Maka Fleischer, you are awesome. Thank you so much for joining us and giving people a little pre-Shabbat excellent energies. And I want folks to join us uh, on YouTube. We're really flying on YouTube and doing a lot of content out there. So I want you to join us there and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Ishai Fleischer TV. It's a lot of fun there. And I want to thank Yochavit Seidman, Moshe Herman, Ben Bresky, Tabitha, Lou when we're live, and of course, David, new member of the team, uh, who is our chopper chopper, makes it makes it happen on uh, on YouTube and Instagram and all that. We were kicked off of uh, of uh, TikTok. Nyak, nyak, nyak. That's okay. Um, I want to thank also uh, the Hebron Fund for keeping the Jewish community of Hebron strong. Thank you very much, hebronfund.org. And the good folks at High on the Har, taking you up on the Temple Mount. That's our good friend, MJ, uh, and doing great job there. And they have great stuff for sale as well. Hebronfund.org and uh, highonthehar.com. Our good friends at jewishpress.com and jns.org. Great news services that we uh, our show appears there as well. I want to really thank them. I also want to thank the good folks at israel365.com for their new um, uh, initiative that I'm part of as well called Keep God's Land. And there's It's a an- wonderful initiative. And I'm very proud that we have a Keep God's Land video about Hebron that came out today. Wow. Yeah, very beautiful, very beautiful. There's a lot of action, Malka. That's good stuff. You can't stop it. Can't you can't stop, stop it, but you can certainly try. Uh, so there's a lot of bad guys out there, but we're pushing forward. Uh, Israel365, jewishpress.com, jns.org. Uh, our great food purveyors, because the whole revolution will not happen without some nosh. Not for Jews, anyway. That's right. Okay, this revolution will be televised and well-fed. And well-fed. And so, therefore, I would ha- highly recommend that you uh, join us in the noshing, uh, the holy kosher noshing, uh, at prohibitionpickle.co.il. Great graphics, great food, great holiness, okay? Uh, so, prohibitionpickle.co.il. Of course, all that uh, will never work out if you don't have a fancy timepiece. <laughs> so, I do, help that, I do hope that you check out retrowatchguy.com uh, and uh, brings, you know, by me, Mahemba's Manazeh, gives us uh, great great energy of the past, brings it alive today. That's RetroWatchGuy.com, great watches. Uh, and our good friends at Kosher Cycle Tours will take you around the land in beauty uh, and, in, and in health and in deep breaths. And Malka, it's time for you and me. And this is it. What? The time is right now. In to these, to, to get our cycle tour, okay? okay. This is not, we're gonna we're gonna do that. I want I want to start. I want to put that down on the books and, and make a plan for our kosher cycle tour, uh, koshertestcycletour.com. Okay, Pierce Morgan, controversial fella, tries to keep it balanced, but I find in him uh, some smug annoyance. Uh, <laughs> of of uh, but other people tell me I'm wrong. I got an email saying how wrong I am about Pierce Morgan. Okay. He's he's a good guy, but I find. Some of his commentary, let's put it this way. I think that he leans to the other side, but just does it smoothly. In any case. Uh, I mean, at least he gives some voice. Yes. To, at least that's like they used to call that journalism. So at least you can, you know, because there, as you were just talking about earlier in the show, there are plenty of people who just don't even call you on the phone, don't want right. to hear from you at all. That's right. And, and he does. He, he d- discusses with people who disagree with him. So you can respect that. I very much appreciate that point, Malka. Thank you for being that Ezra Kinegdo right now. That was good. Yep, no problem. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, so, uh, former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett was on uh, Pierce Morgan, and I commented on it, uh, and I think that it's important. It's from our YouTube channel. Here is Naftali Bennett on Pierce Morgan. Our old friend Pierce Morgan is once again trying to figure out the Middle East, muddling about a bit. 
Uh, and he has on Prime Minister, former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, but he starts off with current Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Let's see what Pierce has to say. The only way to deal with all this is by facing up to the reality of extremism on both sides and for all decent people to reject him. The issue British MPs should have been debating freely and openly is the urgent question of whether it's time for Israel's allies to call for an end to this war. Prime Minister Netanyahu. Wait, let me just get this straight. Israel's allies were going to call for an end to this war. What what kind of ally is that? An ally doesn't tell you to stop a war that you're defending your peoplehood and, and your life. It, your ally supports you. So I'm a little bit confused, Pierce. What do you mean? You think that Israel's allies should tell it what to do? If I'm an ally, I'm like, you go get him, Tiger. You take care of business. And I'm right behind you here, bro. Uh, but instead, Pierce Morgan thinks that allies are supposed to Stop Israel. That doesn't exactly make sense to me. But I told you, he gets confused a little bit. So let's keep going. Who again says no amount of pressure will stop him. Our brave soldiers proved them all wrong on all counts. Many also argued that Israel's military campaign would scuttle our ability to release the hostages. Well, they were wrong on this one, too. Military pressure led to the release of 110 hostages. And only continued military pressure will bring home the remaining hostages. Well, I've said repeatedly that Israel had both the right and a duty to respond with force to the October 7th attacks. But Netanyahu keeps pushing the boundaries. Every time he does, many more thousands of innocent Palestinians die in the process. Wait, wait a minute. So, so Pierce says that we're, he's cool. I mean, he, he said it many times that we have a right to respond militarily. But then when we do, people get killed. Well, what do you think responding militarily means? Who exactly is going to tell what exactly that line is of fighting the bad guys who are entrenched amongst civilians that support them? And also this term that you say, innocent civilians. Well, how do you, how do you know exactly which civilians are innocent or not? Did you interview all of them? Do you know exactly what they believe? We have a war against a society that supports Hamas. I'm not saying that every single member of that society uh, is a jihadist and a Hamasnik. Uh, pro-Hamas fighter. But don't deny, don't deny what the polls show, what the reality shows on the ground, that there's a lot of jihadis uh, amongst the Gazan civilization population. Okay, so let's keep going with Pierce. He's very confusing, right? Uh, he's like, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And that's so Western. It's like, I want you to fight because I think it's right, but not too much because then people get hurt. And I'm a little bit concerned about that. Well, Pierce, you know, it doesn't work that way in the Middle East. You got to take care of business. Uh, and we have, a, we have a business of fighting our enemies, not allowing jihadism, rockets, rape, murder to be on our borders. Those kind of folks cannot remain on our borders. Let's get back to Pierce, see if he strains it out. After four and a half months of failing to say what will happen to Gaza after the war, the Prime Minister has now published an insultingly short one-page plan. It says that if and when Hamas is eradicated, Gaza will be controlled by local officials with administrative experience, provided they have no connections to Hamas. Well, given that Hamas has run Gaza since 2006, exactly who those local administrators are is unclear. If Israel can't find anybody it deems suitable, Israel will remain in control. Well, here I have to agree with Pierce, right? He's right. It's, it's ridiculous. We should not say that some Gazans are going to stay in control of Gaza. That is ridiculous. That is insulting. It's not going to work that way. It's not going to work that way. There's not going to be folks in Gaza that should uh, rule it and control it. It should be Israel's to control. It should be Israel's to control. That doesn't mean that we won't have allies amongst the Arabs that live there, uh, but Israel is going to control it, govern it, live there, 
and Arabs who have a decent feeling towards Israel, want to be law-abiding, uh, who want to be, um, you know, loving, loving citizens and residents uh, of Israel, uh, they'll be able to remain. But yeah, we should not say that we're going to figure out somebody else to give it to. And this is my, this is my critique all the time. We're always trying to find somebody else to hold on to our ancestral homeland. No, it's never going to work out. Every time we give it away, we give it to the terrorists. So let's just like figure it out. So I agree with Pierce. It's, it's weird. Frankly, that looks like a blueprint for continued occupation. And that will only manufacture... Wait, wait. Yes. Continued occupation, yes. You know, they say to me, like, on these papers, they're like, occupation? I'm like, yes, okay? And I don't mean occupation in the military sense. I mean, this is our land. Yes, Pierce, get it through your British head that Israel's going to stay controlling and governing Gaza. Look at the map. Look at the map. Look how it looks like. Do you really think that Israel's going to look like, like it's toothless, like a big chunk of the map is just not going to be there? That doesn't make sense. And so, and so I don't want anybody to lie to you, Pierce. I just want to tell the truth. Israel plans to remain in Gaza. People like myself want to remain in Gaza forever. We will rule it. We will, in your language, occupy it. Of course, it's not occupation. It's our land, and we're the only ones suitable to govern the place. Let's get back to Pierce. Maybe you can figure it out. More of the radicalization that sparked this deadly war in the first place. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Well, hold on, hold on. Before we get to uh, uh, former Prime Minister Bennett, Jewish control of Judea is not what sparked uh, this conflict. Jewish control of Gaza is certainly not what sparked this conflict because we walked out of Gaza. Remember that? See, Pierce, you got to remember that. We left Gaza. Israel left Gaza. We gave it over to the PA. PA was taken over by Hamas. And then they like planned a war against us and were like shooting rockets at us the whole time. And finally, they made this big attack on us. So it's like, this has nothing to do with occupation since we weren't actually occupying it. Actually, it's exactly the opposite. It's land giveaway that gives steam to the jihad to attack Israel. And so that way of thinking of, of walking away from the so-called occupation, i.e. land surrender, land giveaway, is a failure over and over again. We let the jihad take over and make a forward base in our ancestral land. That's dumb. Let's not do dumb things. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, Pierce doesn't understand that. Let's see how he talks with uh, former Prime Minister Bennett. Well, Natali Bennett, the former Prime Minister of Israel, joins me now. Uh, Mr. Bennett, thank you very much indeed for coming back on the programme. Uh, when we last spoke... Good to be here. Um, it was only about three weeks after the horrors of October the 7th. And you said in terms of Israel's response, it isn't about the numbers, deaths, it's about how we, Israel, get them, Hamas, out. Are you comfortable with how the war has been prosecuted since then? The IDF is uh, performing uh, exceptionally well under the toughest circumstances in any war that I can recall uh, because uh, we could have finished this war in three days uh, if we were cavalier about uh, civilian lives. But we're not. We care. And we do everything we can to uh, prevent unnecessarily deaths of civilians. That's why it's taking time. It's going to take a few more months, uh, but we are on the track to remove Hamas from Gaza. I mean, it's a bold statement to say you'll do that. Many people say that if you try and eliminate Hamas completely, then 
many tens or maybe hundreds of thousands more Palestinians will be killed and wounded in that process. And how is that going to stop future radicalization? Are you not just... How is destroying Hamas going to stop future radicalization? I don't know. Maybe because they're the teachers of radicalism. I don't know, because maybe they just had a big success and everybody's looking to them and is like, wow, I want to be like them. Maybe fighting Nazis and destroying them stops the next generation from being Nazis. It's like, it's, like, it's like the logic, the plain, simple logic is gone from Pierce's head here. He just doesn't, like, he's like, well, how will destroy radicals uh, stop radicalism? Because that's how it works, bro. That's exactly how it works. You, you, have, to, you have to strike hard at them, and, and then they don't come back. And, 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 and if you allow them to, to remain, they will celebrate victory and get many more uh, converts. You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of the biblical story of, of Saul and the Amalekite king Agag. It's like Saul could not slay this king, and there, thereby uh, Amalek perpetuated against the Jews. So it's like, it's, it's, like, it's like what you're really saying, Pierce, is that you want this war to remain forever. You want the radical elements, the Nazis, to continue to survive because you're not willing to, to allow some percentage of people uh, to be killed in this war, in this conflict, you want them to remain, and then you, you're like, but, and th- you don't understand that this will bring more and more conflict. Basically, Pierce, what you don't understand is that you're setting up a formula by which this conflict will rage on forever. And had we taken care of business right at the beginning, and if we would take care of business now, by the way, one of the ways to take care of business is to turn off the water, turn off the electricity, stop sending in food and medicine, and then the war will go much faster. We'll end it much faster because they'll have much less strength. And uh, the, the hostage takers are going to have to come out of their tunnels. And then we could actually save a lot of human lives. If you're strong and tough in a short term, you could, you could make the, the war last a much shorter amount of time. But you have to have that resolute intensity to fight the war properly. Bearing up a massive problem for yourselves going forward. No, quite the contrary. Uh, What we've learned from history is that when you are working with uh, very radical ideologies, you first have to win, and then you can start recovering and rebuilding. You couldn't start the recovery of uh, Germany without first bringing Germany or the Nazis to total surrender. Likewise here, we have to defeat Hamas, and then we can start the process of uh, recovery. How will you know when you've beaten Hamas? When they come out and surrender with uh, white flags or we've killed them. Good answer. Why would they surrender? They've shown no sign of doing that. What do you mean, why would they surrender? Because we've got to defeat them. <laughs> Pierce, you've got to come hang out in the Middle East a little bit more. You're just, you're just a little too... I don't know what studios you're in. I don't know where you're at. But you're a little, you're a little too um, detached uh, from, from the ground. Why would they surrender? Because we're going to make them surrender. Because we, we're going to cut them off. Because because we are going to be resolute in defeating our enemies, just like the Nazis surrendered. It's, it's really not so tricky. Even the Japanese surrendered, right? And so, and they were a really formidable enemy that wasn't going to surrender, but they figured out a way to get them to surrender. And the point is here is that, is that the enemy needs to be fought uh, and not in this handcuffed style that Pierce would have us do. No, there's uh, quite hundreds already that have uh, surrendered, perhaps already thousands, uh, because when you know the army is closing on you and, and now they're hunkered down uh, underground in Rafah, 
uh, and hiding behind uh, women and children, but it, it is closing on them and uh, they'll know. And as we've seen in other places, when they know that their death is imminent, they come out and surrender. If thousands of Hamas have surrendered, where are they? Uh, we're, we've already uh, interrogated over uh, a couple of thousand of Hamas uh, operatives. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's, that's what we do. They're in our custody. Where are they in custody? Why is that important to you, Pierce? What are you trying to get at? They're, they're, they're out of the picture. The terrorists have been captured. You're right. Maybe we shouldn't have interrogated them or caught them. Maybe we should have finished them off on the battlefield. But the bottom line is that we have them. What's your problem? What are you, what are you trying to get to? What are, you, what are you trying to figure out so you can go visit them and interview them? What's the deal? In all kinds of places uh, in Israel, in the, in the Negev. Uh, some of them are in Gaza. Uh, we prefer logistically to do it within Gaza. Um, and, uh, and then we move on. Naftali, don't don't give them any unnecessary information. Uh, you know the media. God bless them. They're they're dangerous. You know, uh, and they could use that information in some ways that you know we know that the media, some of the media, like the AP, uh, was complicit in some of the uh, October seventh crimes or some members of the AP. And so I just I wouldn't give them any information at all about. It. Just be like, yeah, we we have them. We're interrogating them. We're taking care of business. Just to be clear, you're saying that thousands of Hamas terrorists have surrendered to the IDF and are being held in custody and being interrogated? We've uh, interrogated, I believe, over 3,000 uh, uh, operatives. Uh, the best answer here would be like, yeah, next question. All right, next question. We don't have to give you information. In, in varying uh, degrees of uh, involvement, some are military Hamas, some are civilian Hamas, and we've learned a lot from that. That's another source of uh, our being able to, to close on the leadership of Hamas. What, what is a civilian Hamas? I mean, aren't they all terrorists? Hamas has a, a civilian arm of governing Gaza and a military arm of conducting terror against Israel. You are right that they are um, intertwined much like the Nazis. Uh, during the Nazi regime, there were also uh, Nazi teachers and uh, Nazi officials that dealt with uh, Germany, but there were also the Nazis that uh, conducted the Holocaust, the Shoah, and uh, World War II. It's a good answer. Good answer. I like that. That's a good answer. And I like that he threw in the word Shoah there. It was like a powerful, I don't know, it just rang kind of. It was good. Government, uh, peers, I, I, I want to be very clear. Uh, Hamas has been governing Gaza for the past uh, 15 years. Yeah, no, I'm obviously aware of that. I think the, the, the point of concern for the global community that's been mounting as you... Well... What, what, what was that? What was that the global community? You see, you see that that's something that, that folks use. Like when they want to, you know, when they want to get started, when they want to mess with Israel, they're just like, they're like a global community. There's this like, this, this global concern. You know what? There's a lot of people around the world that are not on your side, Pierce, in Brazil and in Argentina and in Eastern Europe and in India and all over the world. And in the United States of America, there are millions and millions of people who are not on the side of trying to shrink and weaken Israel. So don't give me this uh, global community like we, you know, the, the big wigs, the people in the suits, you know, are trying to we're concerned about your health. Do me a favor. That is such colonialist language do you hear that do you hear the white colonialist side of pierce morgan really it the you can hear the tone it's it's such a haughtiness you know mm, 
we are concerned about things. Well, give us a little report. All right, let's see what happens. Aware is that it's now been reported um, that as many as 30,000 Palestinians have been killed, with another 70,000 injured. This is out of a population of just 2 million, of whom half of them are children under 18. Uh, and again, it comes back to what is proportionate. You know, I understand Israel's desire to want to get rid of Hamas, but at what cost? You know, the, the sheer scale of the uh, deaths of young, innocent Palestinians must be of great concern to you, isn't it? You know, before he even answers the question, like, like how long are we going to be hit in the head, uh, over the head, with this, uh, with this narrative of proportionality? Nobody fights a proportional war. It's not a game of tennis. It's not a game of football. We don't have these kind of like rules and tit for tats. Oh, you scored a goal. Now it's time for me to score a goal. It's not like that. It's not like that. We are victims of a horrific attack and not just a horrific attack, a horrific plan to destroy Israel. And so now we're fighting back fully. Okay. We're not here to play a tit for tat game. We're here to win. We're here to win by a hundred points and a thousand points. We're here to make sure that, that not one hair on a child gets hurt. We're here to have zero tolerance against the enemies of Israel. And this little game is like, an, you know, you see it again now. The international community is concerned. What about proportionality and all these things? And all these, what, are, what, are, what is all this language? What does it really amount to? How to weaken Israel. That's all he's trying to say. How do I keep you guys small? How do I keep you weak? How do I keep you from being too strong uh, uh, of a defense uh, in, in favor of, of the safety of Jews? He wants a perpetual war. Maybe he doesn't know that. But Pierce Morgan is talking about a perpetual war that will endanger not just the Jews, but also all the uh, combatants who are, who are brainwashed and put into it. And so hundreds and thousands of Arabs will be killed throughout a continuous war if we don't take care of business. But Pierce Morgan wants proportionality, i.e. a stalemate, i.e. allow the Hamas to win, continue to, to govern Gaza, continue to make war, more people die on this side and that side. That's not actually good for the world at all. Uh, but, but, you know, but Pierce Morgan knows a little bit better, maybe. He is the world. Yeah, we are concerned uh, with unnecessary or uh, deaths, first of our own people and then also of uh, citizens. But these deaths, uh, I wouldn't call them unnecessary. I would call them uh, collateral damage that is part of war. And I have to say that in Israel's case, we're conducting war at one of the lowest ratios of collateral damage, I believe roughly 2.5 versus uh, every terrorist uh, compared to six, seven, eight, and nine in other wars. Look, there's no magic here. This whole thing could go away right now if Hamas lays down its arms and releases the hostages. We have really no choice. Uh, you, you had this uh, army of uh, radical Islamic uh, zombies attacking Israel on October 7th, uh, raping severing heads, burning families, uh, because they were uh, brainwashed with radical Islamic ideology, and they say they're going to do it again. So obviously, we really have no choice, and we're going to conduct this as far as we need. I also want to tell you something that is actually news. Uh, from our intelligence now, we know that uh, prior to the October 7th attack, some of the Hamasniks, uh, asked the question, according to Sharia, you're not allowed to just murder people. So they asked, how can we do it? Hamas brought in uh, clerics uh, 
to give them a special fatwa that said, because you are Hamas warriors, you are allowed to murder civilians, uh, women and children. You can go ahead and do that freely. This is what we're working against. And obviously we have to uproot all of Hamas until, uh, until they're gone. Okay, I think that's right, a, you've just admitted that you're I think that's a very fair answer. Um, and I like the term zombies, frankly. When October 7th hit, the, the, the thing that I was talking about is, is fighting back the jihad zombies. And that's what they came out. They came in as just like killing machines. Um, and and I, I, like the, I like the language of we have no choice. We really have to fight this war. Um, I would say that we should you know, uh, make sure that there's no jihad zombies on our borders and certainly not inside our country, and that we should declare a war against jihadism in our land. And we wouldn't be the first. You'd be surprised. Many Arab countries, like Egypt, uh, like Saudi Arabia, like the UAE, they are intolerant of the jihad because they know what the jihad uh, could do to their regimes. So I wish we would be even more bold in saying what we stand for, which is that absolutely we will not accept this ideology, uh, not only in our land, but on the borders of our land. Killing Hamas civilians. No, I said we're killing Hamas, uh, and unfortunately, as in every war in history, there's also civilians uh, that die because Hamas explicitly or deliberately hides behind the civilians in, in the most cowardly fashion. Notwithstanding that we're facing this incredible challenge, we're managing to do it at a much lower ratio of civilian uh, well, Okay, uh, but you keep saying, okay, but... Than in other wars. Mr. Benny, you keep saying that, but... The bottom line is this. More Palestinians have been killed in four months than the total number of serving Ukrainians in the war against Russia, which has now entered its third year. How can you say that this is, you know, pro rata, one of the best executed wars in history? What, what, what does Ukraine have to do with this? What do the numbers in Ukraine have to do with anything? What is this numbers game that we're even talking about? We're fighting a war. Period. See, I, I really, I really am against too much talking here. I would just be like, "We got to fight this war. We're going to fight them until we win." Sorry, you could either understand that or not understand that, but we are not going to allow this kind of stuff to be here. And what is this talk about numbers? How many numbers people are killed? What are you? A, what are you? A, 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 what are you? A mathematician of death over here? What is your deal? You know what I mean? We, we there's there's no numbers discussion. We're doing our best. I would say we're doing our best to make sure that non-combatants are not hurt. We're doing our best. But at the end of the day, that society declared war against us, not an organization, but a society. And we are fighting to get rid of the organization and people who hold beliefs uh, of jihadism in that society. That's what we're doing. I don't want to talk numbers with you. That's what I would say. It's very important with press sometimes to be like, no, 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 I'm not answering those questions. I'm not getting in with to numbers with you. I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about a war. We got a war. We'll deal with the numbers. I'm not, uh, you're not going to be the numbers oversight. You're not the ombudsman. Of, of proper death numbers in our war. We will decide what that, what that war is. People started, how many people are going to die? They started with us. They wanted to kill us and destroy us. They called for the destruction of Israel. And so we're going to destroy that organization and the people that follow it. Pretty simple, right? Really, we should really make things a little bit simpler. When you have that comparison of the two wars that are currently raging. Well, you're comparing apples and oranges. Uh, here, we're facing an enemy whose desire is to 
maximize not only the number of Israelis dead, but of their own civilians, precisely so Piers Morgan can ask me that question. It's a very cynical organization. We're not magicians. There's no magic here. If anyone has a better plan to submit, to tell us how to eradicate Hamas, bring it on, we'll go ahead and do it. Uh, without that, short of that, we're going to have to pursue this. Uh, just like uh, uh, Britain and America and uh, the Soviet Union pursued Nazi Germany until total victory. We yeah, have to have total victory. That wow, that was, that, was a strong, uh, that was a strong answer uh, that he gave there. Uh, and I really like the part where he says, Hamas, Hamas wants a lot of civilians dead so that you, Pierce Morgan, could give us a hard time. So, so true. So true. And that's really to understand that Hamas operates in, in, in both when they are killing us, they're like, yeah, we're killing them. And then when we kill them, they're like, oh, they're killing us. And they're good at both kinds uh, of, of propaganda, of, of being uh, the, the professional jihadi conquerors and murderers or the professional victims. And you, Pierce Morgan, are going to jump right at that. And when they throw you that bone, you're going to jump right at it. And you're going to attack Israel for, you know, being too strong, too big, because they're the victims. Right, right on. Very good answer. Former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. It's not, it's not accurate in the sense that there's never been a conflict like this, a war like this, waged against a population where half of the population is under 18. I mean... What, what, what is this guy smoking, really? Where is he coming from? There hasn't been a war like this. There's been many wars like this. What do you think Vietnam was? Uh, and, and many other wars. Uh, had had exactly this 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 uh, this this makeup and this formula, and most importantly, who cares? Okay, so now we have a new war. These guys are fighting using the tactics that they have, and this is not our first war with Gaza. Everybody's got to remember that this is what our like our fourth war with Gaza. Of course, we should have never left Gaza, and people like myself were telling everybody and, and leaders that if we leave, we're going to have to fight a war just like this. Wars just like this, and so that's another thing. Pierce has got to realize this is a this is a recurring war. It's not some kind of unique thing in history that's happening right now. It's actually happened many times, and we've had to shoot and defend ourselves now, I think at least four times, uh, but, but sadly, we've allowed our enemy to become really entrenched, dig up, to, to create those tunnels, uh, and now to hide behind civilians, and, and of course, hide behind the abductees. Let's see what Bennett says. That in itself, makes this a very different type of war. That is why so many children are getting killed. That is why this collateral damage, as you call it, is almost uniquely horrific in Gaza because half the population are children. Well, as I said, um, if any country in the world... The children, the children, the see, Jews are killing children. Does that sound familiar to you? Does that, does that ring any kind of bell? You Israelis are killing children. Does that, does that sound like anything? Sounds to me like a medieval blood libel. That's the narrative right now. You're killing children. You guys are killing children. That's what he has to say. And, and, and you'd think that, that Pierce Morgan would know a little bit better about the efforts that are being, that are being done to, 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 to defend civilians and uh, the fact that Hamas uses children. And I think that the numbers are all fooey anyway. Uh, so. But, but what is this, like, line? It's the old blood libel. You Jews are just killing children. You're out there killing children. And, 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 and if you, you, you hear it, it's, it's another, it's like, a, it's like, again, a kind of, you know, Christian, 
you know, old, you know, medieval type of, you know, messaging. You you kill a lot of children. You're not proportional. We, the uh, the grown-ups who know how the Middle East should behave, we have what to say about this. And so it's really very classic memes, classic tones that we're hearing here from Pierce Morgan. World would be willing to live next to uh, Hamastan that explicitly says right now that they're going to conduct more uh, October 7th massacres again and again and again. Uh, if we don't eradicate them, then tell me who that is. Because again, th th we have absolutely no choice here but to win. And the best way to uh, make the, this whole misery go away is to accelerate the pace of this victory and not tie Israel's hands behind our back. The longer it takes, the more losses there will be. We're being cautious about it, but I won't be reprimanded by anyone for defending my children, for defending my nation. I fought in wars. We hate war. Israelis do not like war. We didn't start this war. Uh, it came and hit us out of left field. And we were reminded that we're surrounded by the craziest uh, uh, terror organizations on earth. We didn't choose this. Uh, they started, they are continuing, and it can all go away if they lay down their arms. The only organization, the only people that are responsible for this is Hamas. And I also have to say, unfortunately, I would have loved to say that Hamas has um, hijacked the Palestinian population. But the facts are that uh, Hamas won in democratic elections out of 132 seats. They won an absolute majority of 76 seats and they were elected by their own people. That's the government that they chose, a government that attacked and did these hyenas uh, things and raped our daughters and burned families alive. People tend to f forget that. Um, this is not to say that th we will go and, and deliberately hurt civilians, but unfortunately, after uh, 20 years of uh, brainwashing, many, many uh, Palestinians uh, support these sort of massacres. They say Jews are pigs, Jews are the Satan, we need to kill them. If as I don't think there's anything for me to really add to that. I just think that Naftali Bennett's doing a great job explaining the truth, and I think he's doing it with passion. Okay, I may not necessarily like the policies that he implemented uh, when he was prime minister, uh, but I certainly respect the fact that he's out there fighting the narrative war uh, and giving uh, Pierce Morgan uh, a good run. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. That is the Naftali Bennett I like. By That's the way. right, very good. That is the Naftali that I like. Yeah. I think that he should be like a U, like our ambassador to the UN or something. He would be good at that. You, assuming we stay just, in the UN. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't, I, I cannot. You, can, you can't even hear that. I, can, okay. I can't hear it. I just, I just don't think that Israel should have an ambassador to the UN. Okay, he could be, he could be ambassador to the United it's States. It's an embarrassment to the. He UN. could be the Israel ambassador to the United States. I could live. I could dig it. I could dig that. I'm just saying he is a good spokesperson. He's, Absolutely. A, he's good, and you get the sense that he loves Israel and wants our success. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, Maka, it's time for the final part of the show, and that's called Table Torah. And I just want to talk about uh, uh, two little things um, about this Torah portion, if you don't mind. Go. Okay, Maka, so we have uh, uh, a Torah portion called Kitisa. And I want to tell Jews and non-Jews alike that this is one of the most important Torah portions. Certainly, it's one of the most dramatic ones in the book of Exodus, which is saying a lot because it's a pretty dramatic book. 
And we got to deal with here with uh, chapter 30. If you're looking by chapters in the Jewish tradition, we call it Kitisa in, in kind of the English way. It's Exodus chapter 30, verse uh, 11. But in chapter 31, Malka, in Perek uh, Aleph, there's a pasuk that says like this. Look, I have called on the name of Betzalel ben Uri ben Chur uh, um, uh, for the tribe of Judah in order to fill him with, with, with godly knowledge and wisdom and, 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 and uh, ability to do all kinds of labor and he is the creator of the tabernacle and the vessels and the vestments of the tabernacle. Now what's important to know is that in the Jewish tradition we understand that during the next chapter, the next chapter coming right up, what happens? There's the golden calf. Dun, dun, dun. And then that golden calf, not only is there going to be a, a tragic mm-hmm. a service of idolatry, not only are later uh, the, the Ten Commandments going to be smashed, not only are 3,000 Jews going to be killed, but it starts off with the murder of Chur. Chur is the son of Kalev ben Yifunin, Miriam. He is one of Moshe Rabbeinu's right-hand men. He tries to stop the Jewish people from committing the awful sin of the golden calf. He gets killed. And yet in the chapter before, God says, look, I have called upon Betzalel, the son of Uri, the son of Chur. And he's going to build the, uh, of the tribe of Judah, he's going to build the vessels and the vestments and the tabernacle. What this tells me is that Chur is remembered even before mm-hmm. he gets killed. Mm-hmm. Even before he gets murdered, God says, I know my holy ones. I protect my holy ones. And even if they get lost in this world, They're I'm in charge of souls. Right. right. And, and, I'm, and I, do, I, do, I, I take care of business. I take care of justice. And the reason I say that is because this to me is well, the most- Well, this is very pertinent for our time, right? Exactly. Exactly right. And I, and I say to you, Malka, that this Pasuk makes me believe in God's ultimate justice mm-hmm. of the souls and the people who are lost. And I am certain that the people that have been lost in all the horrible ways and mm-hmm. all the horrible pain will be remembered, will be, will be written down properly, will, be, will, be, will come back, their souls will come back, and their seeds will, will go on with, through all the pain. And we have to, we, we can't count on this verse. We got to do justice. Right. We got to kill those bad guys. And we got to make sure that those, uh, uh, what do you call them, um, uh, orphans and widows are taken care of to the best of our abilities. Like, we got to do justice in this world, but God takes care of it and he will not forget. And there is a God. There is a God and he will, he will keep those, uh, the souls, uh, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll protect those souls. Amen. Uh, there's one more verse that I want to talk about, Malka. Sometimes I, I just fall in love with a verse and I'm like, this is the most important verse in the whole Torah. And this morning I had that experience. I saw this verse, you know, after the golden calf, God says to Moses, that's it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy this peoplehood and I'm going to make them come from you. So then God's, M- Moses says to God, he says, Zechor, remember, Avraham, Israel. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Avadecha, your servants. Asher nishbata lahem bach, that you swore to them within you, on you, you swore in your name. And you spoke to them. I will make your seed, I will multiply your seed. 
as, as the stars of the sky. And all this land, which I've spoken, I'll give to your seed, and they will inherit it forever. This verse ha- encompasses the whole of the Jewish narrative and story. God revealed himself to his servants who served him. Their names are Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. That's the big name. You spoke to them and you promised them that the seed will, will multiply and that they'll inherit this land. Bam. Bam. And then God's like, and, and God, God um, was mollified to the evil that he, that he spoke to do to his, to his nation, to his nation, like he comes back and takes back the nation. So th- this, this is such an important, you know, such an important verse. And some of these verses, I just, I wish I had my own scribe. Could we, <laughs> could we just hire a scribe? I just yes, wanna, we I just, are uh, desperately seeking scribe. It's, it's funny you say that because I'm yeah. about to hire some scribes. But in any case. Some? Multiple scribes? I think for I, you? I, not for me. Wow, but for, Ishai, but for, You've really moved up in the world. That yes. You have multiple scribes. Yes. Yes. It's not for me. They're going to be writing the Megillat Root. They'll be writing oh, the Megillat like, Root. Like Sofer Stumps. Yeah. Scribes. Got it. Yeah. They'll be right. They're not going to be scribing. I thought it was my... like someone sitting on a low pillow at your feet. <laughs> you know. Are you writing this? <laughs> Are you writing down my words? And shall, and therefore I say. I proclaim this day <laughs> is dishwashing day. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, that's a little table Torah. Uh, I want to thank all the folks that make it possible. Um, I do want to ask also to, uh, I want to ask everybody to join us uh, on various platforms. Join Malka on Twitter. She's a rock star on Twitter. You're also Malka. a rock star. You're more than me. I'm a rock. You're, more you're than the rock double star. the followers that I have. Yeah, but you get so much more engagement than me. You're 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 like it is fun. I like Twitter. Yeah, like no, you're Twitter. good. It's it's a harsh. It's not for everybody. Yeah, Twitter if it's for you. Then it's fun. Instagram, Facebook, and uh, YouTube. We're, we're we're out there. So so join us there. Right, your YouTube Isha, is really flying, and I want you to know that every time I turn on YouTube, one of your shorts is up. Yes, yes, yes. You have a lot of good YouTube shorts. That's true. I'm very excited about that. It's a lot of fun. Um, and also, by the way, I just got an email uh, from Phil. Excuse me, from David. From David. And he says, I've known about you since Kuma.org started. What are some religious Zionist books you can recommend to me? This is part of my Cheshbon Hanefesh, my personal repentance wow. and tshuva in light of the October 7th. I got a road by Rav Cook a book by Rav Cook's son, and the Kuzari, which is taught in Merkaz Arav. Wow. What else should I have in my library? By the way, my favorite post from Kuma was your wife Malka's Dutch apple pie res- recipe. Oh, my gosh. Malka, this is a sign Dutch for you. Dutch apple pie recipe from Kuma? How? First of all... David's been following for a while. Thank you. Yeah. Okay? Thank you for remembering things that I posted like... 13 years ago. No, no, no. I want to say thank you, David, because I've got a feeling that we're going to be Wait, eating Dutch apple pie Dutch recipe. apple pie this Shabbos. Malka. Do you still have it, David? Do you make the Dutch apple pie or yeah, do you please. need the Dutch apple pie recipe? <laughs> no, he says that was his favorite his favorite uh, Kuma post. Was uh, your? Oh my gosh. Uh, that's right. Okay. So we got to find that again. Uh, in any case, there are many other books that I, I would like to recommend for you. Um, I would recommend Atchaltahi, which is a very good book. And I want to recommend... Is he only looking for Torah books? Yeah, I think he's looking for Torah books. I mean, we got some n- not per se Torah books that uh, are just there's informative. there's one book that's 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 the basic, which is Ema Banim Smecha. You yes, got to do that. That's a key. And there's the Ema Banim Smecha in the short version, the the uh, the the essential Ema Banim Smecha. I recommend that one right. very much. But for people who want a little bit more data based book, 
I would say there's a very important book. It's called, it's hard to read, but if you can get through it, you will be like an expert. It's called From Time Immemorial. You don't recommend it? I do, but it's, 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 it's a math heavy book. It's yeah, like, you, yeah. Yeah. If you like baseball, you will like this book. Uh, but he's looking for Torah books, I think. And I, 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 but there is one more book that's not a Torah book that I recommend everybody read when they get a chance, which is The Prime Ministers. I always find that book to be inspirational on every level, from a, from a Hasidic level. And it's level. enjoyable. It's enjoyable. It's a yeah. lot of fun, The Prime Ministers. All right, folks. I hope that we've given you a little bit of love from Eretz Israel, a little bit of blessings from the land of blessings. Wherever you are, stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. Be part of the story. Write me an email, yishayishayflash.com. Lots of love and lots of strength and thank you for being part of it it's not an easy time right now so whatever strength we can give each other or eke out of anything because it also is a time if we just look of great revelation as well so let's get that revealing going God is uh, knocking at the door and this is the time God bless you Shabbat Shalom Shalom